welcome to the Unlocking Creativity podcast series that's being hosted on my podcast, SD Ubuntu. I spent this last fall interviewing some of the most incredible people, people who have been brave enough to share their words on the page and out into the world. I have been struggling myself as a creative and as a writer um, with my own process and I've taken this last year off on a sabbatical to work on my novel, an idea I came up with in 2014 while I was living in South Africa. Now this novel has been something that I dream about, I think about when I'm walking in the forest, I talk about it with all of my friends, I write about this novel, I write the characters, I write the settings, I write the scenes, but I haven't been able to bring myself to finish it, and that's okay. I coach writers all over the world, and I am so very grateful and blessed to know people who have been where I am now and have been on the other side. So this next season of the SC Ubuntu podcast is going to be the Unlocking Creativity series with authors, writers, and creatives. Um, You're going to get a chance to meet people who have worked on their novels for years and years and years, and some who put something together rather quickly. You're going to hear from people who have gone the non-traditional route and done self-publishing. You're going to hear from people who have done the traditional route and done publishing, and those that have done everything in between. I'm excited for you to get to know these people who I am grateful to either call my friends or my mentors. And I'm excited for you to learn about the creative process and see how similar we all are as creatives and then also see how unique we are as well. In today's episode of the Unlocking Creativity series podcast, I'm so excited to introduce you to my writing coach and mentor, Amy McNee. I first discovered her on Instagram earlier in the pandemic, and wow, did she just give me the words of wisdom and creative balm that my soul needed as a creative. Amy McNee lives in Australia, and she has a huge following on social media as she helps to guide creatives every day. She recently published her first fiction novel, The Rules Upheld by No One, which I finished in like three days. It was incredible. I'm going to read now her introduction in her words. I created in total isolation for a long time. I bought into the stories that artists can't make money that they're lazy, that they're avoiding the real world. I spent years working jobs I hated, writing books and in a cycle of depression because I believed my desire to live a creative life made me less than. The work I do now is in service to my past self. I speak, teach, and write love letters to creators, reminding us that the world needs what we have to make, reminding us of our worth and our importance in this world. I have been called to create supportive, empowered communities for writers and artists. This is a big, beautiful, hard journey, and you don't need to do it without support. You can find me on YouTube, Instagram, or your podcast app. 
her podcast she does with her husband and it is wonderful they um it's under the name of unpublished podcast and again it is in service to creators especially those that are on the beginning of their journey Um, So I'm so excited to share with you the beautiful wisdom and nuggets that come up in our conversation today, and I hope you enjoy. Okay, welcome, Amy. Thank you so much for being on the Unlocking Creativity series podcast. I'm so happy to be here with you this morning. Esther, I cannot tell you how honored I am to be here. I cannot wait to get into all these beautiful conversations. I'm so excited. Thank you so much. So just tell everyone where you are located right now. So I am in Sydney on the northern beaches of Sydney, Australia. So we are currently in a pretty hard lockdown and have been for about two months. So it's just lovely to get to get to connect. <laughs> yeah, it's so great. I'm so grateful for virtual connections in this time. That's definitely Oh, it's so important. A big thing for me. Um, so I love to start these off by just asking, what are you most grateful for right now? And what is your oh, biggest challenge? I love that. I've been really, really focusing on gratitude over this like challenging time of being kept indoors. And I'm, I call them like little miracles, just focusing on the small things, noticing those small things that hold me in and take care of me. Um, so the little miracles that I've already collected today, and I've had a bit of a day, I've had a really rough morning, but I still found those little miracles. And James, my husband bought me a donut. <laughs> so I'm really grateful for that. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Husbands are great that way, so I'm grateful oh my God. that they gave you that. And what do you Husbands like and biggest... donuts. Yes, donuts for sure. Um, <laughs> what do you feel like is your biggest challenge at the moment? My biggest challenge? Um, I would say at the moment my energy has been my biggest challenge. I'm really um, struggling to just maintain uh, optimism and energy throughout my whole day. And I think that's probably a symptom of lockdown, but I've also always struggled a bit with my energy and just managing the ebbs and flows of of yeah, my life force, that energy within me has been really difficult over the past few months. Um, and I have a real big slump uh, during the middle of the day that I've just been trying to figure out how, how I manage that and, you know, not necessarily fighting it, but just trying to figure out how I can make it work for me. Yeah. Do you normally push through the slump or do you sometimes just let it kind of over that's been the big big challenge i guess like fighting it hasn't worked um which is i think is really interesting like i've tried to push through it it just doesn't work like at the moment i just have these big energy slumps and so i'm really trying to work on um, having some structure around them so that i have lots of permission to just bail out and do what i need to do uh but then having some almost like rescue missions at the end so that I, I do I, I am retrieved from the dark places and I can get out like I, I've been trying to put in some structures that are like little ladders to get me out of the cave um, I'm not there yet but you know these things take time I think to understand how we can really truly best work with ourselves yeah I love that I love how you're always you know giving yourself and other creatives permission um, to just kind of check in and check in with what season you're in and I think mm-hmm. it's just it's really inspiring and I think really validating for a lot of creatives. So I'm super grateful for you to be here to, to talk to about that. <laughs> yeah, it's a big it's a big thing for me. Permission has been a huge theme in my life. 
Mm-hmm. If you could describe to us a little bit about your relationship with writing, I would love to hear, you know, where it started and when yeah. you started calling yourself a writer or a creative. Beautiful. I think innately I've always been a storyteller. I think I was a storyteller before I was a writer, although I have been writing since I was little. I always enjoyed, you know, telling strange stories and I was always making books when I was a little kid, but I was also, you know, I was really into acting for a long time. I acted for about six years and I've always just wanted to tell stories in some form or another. But when I really embraced the title of writer and author was probably when I left university and I kind of was shoved into the workforce and I just had this extremely it was a real awakening moment of this is not what I want to do. I want to keep creating. I want to keep telling stories. And I began writing my first book and it just sucked me in immediately. And, and from that moment on, I was like, well, this is what I'm here to do. I'm here to write. Mm, I love that. Mm. And what was your first story about? My, so my first story, I call her my teacher. Um, and the main character's name was Esther. So I often just refer to her as Esther. <laughs> um, the best name in the world, of course. And it was um, a, a fancy novel that I'd always kind of daydreamt about for my whole life. And I was like, let's just make this a reality. And it was about an island off of the UK uh, that was just happened to be magical. Um, and Esther was transported there. And yeah, it was a a huge transformative moment when I devoted myself to that book. It took me a long time to write. I learned so much about who I was, about the narratives that were holding me back. And I learned a lot about writing as well. Um, So I wrote that book, I don't know how long ago now, probably eight years ago. Mm, That's beautiful. So you've been on this journey for a while. I have. The time has just swum past, but I have, yeah. And you've written several things since then. Would you like to share a little bit about some of the work that you put out into the world? I would love to. So I've always um, seen myself as a fiction writer first. Uh, That was always what I was drawn to. But over the last few years, I just explored like this creative life that we get to live or that we uh, choose to live. I've started writing a lot more nonfiction. So I have three beautiful nonfiction books for creatives looking, one looks at procrastination, one looks at perfectionism, one looks at imposter, not imposter syndrome, burnout. The next one will be imposter syndrome. So they're my nonfiction babies. Um, And that's just was in a beautiful like it was super healing for me to write those books um and very validating for me as well it was just kind of really sinking into this role of creator and what it meant to be a creative and i, I really i love getting to talk to other creatives about this wild journey that we're on and those books really felt like that's what they were there for um but i also write historical fiction and my first historical fiction novel is coming out in September, on September 1st, <laughs> which is exciting, um, called The Rules Upheld by No One. I did um, medieval history at university. So I used all of that, those stories and the magic that I you know, was blessed enough to receive through uh, university education. And I just transformed it into books. And I've written two more historical fiction books after her too. So we'll be seeing a lot more of that era and that time. That's so beautiful. Congratulations. I can't wait to read it. And (laughs) I would love to hear about your relationship with your inner critic during this transition of, you know, showing up for yourself as a fiction writer. And, you know, just, I I think you've talked about a little bit on your own podcast, but just kind of, 
you know, showing up for different audiences and just, you know, what is what are the stories that are going on and then how do you navigate that? Yeah, this is a big question for me at the moment, because as I really try to embrace and take up space in the fiction world, um, I've got a very different narrative and inner critic that surrounds my fiction work compared to my nonfiction work. My nonfiction work um, connected very quickly, and I was able to get a lot of external validation from my nonfiction work, which was such a blessing. And I felt so within the community. And, you know, I got to talk to so many creatives about my work, and it connected straight away. And, you know, when we have connection like that from our own art, it's the inner critic is just less violent. You know, they just settle down. Other people are validating me. I was able to connect with it very quickly, which was such a blessing and it was an incredible experience. But with my fiction, my inner critic is really, I'm, I'm much more vulnerable in this space. Um, and so my inner critic is going to be louder. The more vulnerable we are, the scared, you know, the more fear we have. And so the louder that inner critic is going to be because that voice, I believe, is really just there trying to protect us. So as I release this historical fiction and as I continue to write my historical fiction, fiction novels, that inner critic is much louder. Um, it, you know, and a lot of fear stories come up around, oh, nobody's going to relate to this. People want to hear from you about creativity. They don't want to hear from you about fiction. Um, they're going to discover that you're an imposter. They're going to discover that you can't actually write. Like there's a lot of narratives there that I have to be very aware of um, and remind myself again and again and again that, that these stories are loud because I'm doing something really vulnerable. Um, and it's actually, it's a good sign. If I can keep uh, distance between me and those stories and those narratives uh, if I don't let them attach to me it's a good sign because it's just reminding me that I'm doing something really brave uh, and it's a really aligned and it's definitely meant to be mm, I love using it as a tool to kind of show you that you're on the right path I think that's yeah really important and I think that that is a really you know good thing for all of us to internalize because that external validation isn't always going to be there but our inner critic exactly we have to learn how to deal with our internal voice when there's no external validation. And I often see with um, creatives who have been very successful uh, very early on that they have a much harder time with that inner critic because they have never had to sit with it. You know, not all our art is going to connect and that's a really hard truth, but it's true for everyone. And we so we have to get comfy with listening to that inner critic and understanding that you know they they do not always speak the truth in fact they rarely do we have to understand that it's coming from a place of fear we just have to understand the inner critic and often if we don't have a chance to really sit with what it feels like to have art that's not connecting and we're not getting external validation uh we, we we're very unpracticed at that so i often see creatives who have had a lot of early success really struggle with this and that so i'd like to say for creators right now who are in the midst of not receiving any external validation that like this is a good preparation this is a good thing to move through because when you reach all that abundant creative success you're going to know what to do with the ebbs and flows wow i love that i, I love the you know the visualization of the ebbs and flows of it and just mm. knowing that you know even if you are receiving success there are going to be moments where you might not be feeling it and i think that's something yeah. i've been thinking a lot about too is i have a lot of friends that not necessarily consider themselves creatives but in the business world mm. are like successful but when they get to those goals they don't necessarily enjoy it the way they thought they would and so i think that's oh super interesting 
It's so interesting. Well, I've been thinking so much about success and the fear of success for entrepreneurs, for creatives. We have a really complicated relationship with it. And it's such an important discussion to have. Too many creatives, entrepreneurs included, get to their goals and they just feel so lackluster. And, and they thought they were going to you know, get this overwhelming feeling of achievement. And it just feels like, eh. And again, like... This is why when we don't have that external validation, there's such an opportunity for us to do the real work. When we're on our way to the goals, that's the time to do the work. That's the time to really prepare for success so that, you know, we're not moving our, our goalposts and we're not pinning all of our joy on these goals that when we reach, they're not going to feel as good as we think they are. Yeah. And I think it's important to learn how to celebrate yourself as well. I think that's something that's so hard for people to do. Like, you know, have a glass of champagne and celebrate this thing that you decided to do. Like, I think it's so important. It's so important. We're so obsessed with reaching these milestones, but then when we reach them, we don't even know how to celebrate ourselves. Um, I, this is a huge problem for humans everywhere, but creatives in particular, because we've learned to be really hard on ourselves, I think, and we've learned to keep, you know, very high standards. Often a lot of us are very goal oriented and we just don't know how to celebrate ourselves. And I'm still on this journey. I really make an effort to make sure when I reach anything or if I really feel like I've done a good job that I've go out of my way to celebrate myself, it still feels a little uncomfortable. And it's, it often feels a little invalid. And I was thinking about this the other day, how often when we're celebrated, it's like an external celebration. So your birthday, you know, or like, you know, like Christmas and stuff, like it's very external, like everyone joins in and you get permission to celebrate. But when you've done something amazing and creative, and you're really proud of yourself, you have to, it's a permission thing. Again, you're like, okay, well, I want to give permission to celebrate and it just feels funny with the permission coming from yourself not from others um and, and that's what I experience like when I open pop a bottle of champagne for myself I'm like wow it feels different yeah of course so mm. on that same vein I'd love to know how you're planning on celebrating yourself as your new book is coming out I love that you asked that. So on the week that my book comes out, I'm actually recording the audiobook all week, which is one of the most exciting things in the world for me. I've always wanted to record my own audiobook. Um, so that in itself is going to be massive. Um, I'm going to be tired, I know, because they're big, long days in the studio. But this is honestly like big dreams comes true. It's like mixing that acting with it's like true storytelling to me. And I listen to most of my books like through Audible. And so to get to like voice my own characters and to it's literally just a dream come true. So that in itself feels like a massive celebration and it's going to happen over the launch. Um, but we've already bought a beautiful bottle of champagne. I'm a bit of a bubbles girl and I'm super excited about it. So that's already in the fridge. Um, and Jane, I've, I've given it over to James. I've said to my partner, I want to celebrate. Can you help celebrate me? And I think that's such a vulnerable thing to do. Yeah. But often, exactly what I was saying before, it can feel strange giving yourself permission to celebrate yourself you know, doing the vulnerable thing and telling other people, this is really important to me. I've done something that's really important. Can you help celebrate me? Can you validate my success? Hugely vulnerable, but such an important part of this journey, especially for creatives, because often our milestones aren't as, you know, culturally noticed. So especially if you're choosing to do it by yourself, like you're self-publishing or, or, you know, you've launched a project, because no one's externally validating that, you know, a publisher hasn't given you a book deal or you haven't got a raise in your job or, you know, a promotion, you know, that's all us. We've given it to ourselves. And so culturally, it's often not recognized 
as something to celebrate. So we need to tell people, no, this is a really big deal. And I really would appreciate it if you held me and lifted me up on that day. Yeah, I mean, you've been preparing and you've been, you know, you've been putting your your all into this. It's your birthing this, you know. You yeah. Birthing, you know, being able to celebrate that is such a huge thing. So, so I'm big. very proud of you for, you Thank know, you. asking for permission to celebrate yourself and, you know, bringing your partner along with you. I think that's Thank you, Esther. I feel that. Yeah. And I would love to know how you and your partner met. And he's also a writer as well. He is a writer. So we are, um, it's, it's a bit cute. We are high school sweethearts. <laughs> <laughs> we met at school um, in the last two years of school. I grew up in the UK and I moved to Australia when I was 16. And we met at school and we started dating in school. So we were just wee ones. We've been together like 12 years now. Um, and he was always an avid reader, huge, like a hugely creative at heart. But he... I, and he had book ideas, but he just never wanted to sit down and do it. And I, and I gently encouraged it, obviously, throughout the whole time, especially as I was writing my books. And then I think about four years ago, I don't know what happened. Something just clicked and he sat down and he just began writing. And it's disgusting how much he writes now. Like he writes way more than me. He's catching up on my book count like with and yeah, at speed, Esther. It's, it's disgusting <laughs> to me. Um, but also it's incredible to watch him sink into this practice like it, it was so made for him and I love that he found it um it's beautiful mm, I love that I love that you are high school sweethearts <laughs> that you've grown together as creators we have so yeah how would you say um it's been kind of learning how to nourish each other's creative needs I guess as kind of it seems like you're accountability partners for each other yeah it's been such a fascinating journey because we're very different um, in terms of what we need creatively. James needs a lot of space, um, won't want to talk a lot about his projects. I think, especially when they're younger, uh, they, he is finds it very vulnerable, I think, to talk about his books, whereas I want constant discussion, constant bouncing ideas off. I really like uh, the biggest blessing of having him being a writer now and understanding what it is to write books is to be able to have that ideas bouncing off. Because I think for so many of us, whatever craft it is, like the, the aloneness of it and not having anyone who really understands a craft and being like, what if I did this? What if I did this? Can feel quite isolating. So to have someone who is literally with me all the time who I can just be like, what about this? It's just the biggest blessing. But he doesn't need that from me. And at the beginning, I was like, I, I'm a creative coach and a book doula. I was like, get me involved in your work. And he was like, no. <laughs> and I really had to let, let that space develop and I had to let him do what he wanted to do. And now once he's finished his books, um, like third or fourth draft, I often read them, but he definitely requires a lot more space than I do. Whereas, I mean, I just talk a lot more. I'm a lot more blah, 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 blah. And he's just a much more stoic, and quieter gentleman. <laughs> I love that you have the different approaches, but that you're mm. learning how to, you know, be there for each other the way that yeah. you need. It's kind of like a love language, but with it is. Craft, yeah. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely is. And he's also, he now works for me. So like we've, we've been building this business together and that's also been a really interesting relationship as well, like business wise. Um, but it's a beautiful, like, it's a beautiful part of our relationship. And I'm so grateful that we get to create together. I love that. 
So immediately three things have popped into my head. And so I'm going to say them all now and you can just respond to whatever feels best. But so I would love to hear about like what a day in the life looks like for you all, because it's Mm -hmm. like two creatives living together and you work for yourselves. So I'd love to hear about that and like your routines and how structure plays into that. I would also love to hear about boundaries that you guys have as well as a couple that works together, lives together. Um, And then the last one, um, not the last one, because I'm going to ask you those two, but the last (laughs) one is with, um, I'd love to hear your publishing story as well, like the process around, you know, self-publishing versus publishing um, Mm. in a different way and just kind of like those those stories in that process. Of course, they're all excellent questions. Okay, I'm going to talk about daily routine because at the moment, because we are in lockdown, we have quite a, a good structured routine just to keep ourselves sane. But it mirrors basically what it was when we weren't in lockdown as well. It's just much stricter now um, just to give ourselves a feeling of time passing um, and the day moving on. So we have a very structured morning with a lot of our habits in the morning. And then we have a much less structured afternoon and evening. So we like the idea of like winning the day if you win the morning. So if we can get that morning done, you know, whatever happens in the afternoon happens and we can hope for some more work, perhaps we can hope for some more creativity, but if we get the morning done, we've we've really won. And so we wake up. I'm notoriously bad at waking up. I really, really struggle and, (laughs) um, but I'm really trying. So we will wake up anytime between 7.15, which is what we're meant to wake up at, or to, to like eight o'clock. I've been doing pretty good, but I am known to tell James to shut up and go back to bed. Um, so 7.15, we get up and we've been actually, since lockdown started, we do breath work straight away. Um, I have like a, a plethora of chronic health issues. Um, and this is the first, literally the first thing I've ever done where I've found genuine relief from pain. Um, so we've been doing the Wim Hof method uh, of like breathing. It takes like 20 minutes and it feels incredible. And I'm just so grateful for this new practice. And if lockdown and all this mess has given me anything, it's given me this, this breath practice. So we, we start off the day doing that. And it's amazing. Mm, it's beautiful. It is. It's so, it's so delicious. And then James goes and gets me coffee because he's a very, very good boy. And I journal. Uh, so journaling, um, if you followed my journey at all, journaling is really the crux of all my magic um, and journal every day. And it just centers me and reminds me of what I want to do. It reminds me of all my softness and gentleness. It's kind of like a coaching session in the morning with myself. And I just do one big page uh, at the very least. And it is so easy for me to do now. I love it. I look forward to it. it is, I think I'm on like day 1,300 or something. And it's the easiest practice and the most nourishing practice ever. And it changed my life completely when I started. So then do journaling. And then me and James both do our writing immediately. So this is fiction writing um, because that's the one that's easiest to push aside. So we do it. Basically, it's the first creative thing that we do. Um, And at the moment, I'm in a first draft stage. So I do a 500 word minimum and just got to get it done 500 words james is editing and he has a chapter a day editing at the moment um and so we do that and then at 9 45 we go and we exercise and move our bodies and at the moment we can only do it for half an hour in this lockdown situation so we go move our bodies for half an hour come home 
have a I have a cold shower because that's Wim Hof's method as well. Have a cold shower, which has been challenging, but I'm I'm doing it. And then we eat breakfast together, and that is our morning, and that is our structured morning. Uh, it sounds delicious, and like even though it's super structured, it sounds super manageable. Like nothing is, it like is. super long. Like I love that the workout's only thirty minutes, and I'm yes, like, the journaling is like you know at least a page, and so it's yeah, like everything is is accessible. But it then is more. It's it's okay too. Totally, I we have a really big. Uh, belief in the bare minimum. So bare minimum, 500 words, bare minimum, 30 minute workout, bare minimum, three rounds of breathing, bare minimum, one page of journaling. And and that's what I do basically every day. I basically, I live in the bare minimum. And some days it's more and I'm like, holy shit, I'm fucking angel. <laughs> but most of the time, it's the bare minimum. And we just celebrate that because it, it allows us to do stuff every day. It allows consistency and consistency is really where the magic happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is our morning. And it feels like it feels in service to our bodies. It feels in service to my spirit. It feels in service to my creativity. It feels in service to my business. It just feels, it fills up all of these different parts of my life in all these small ways. And so by the time it's like 11 and we've eaten, a lot's been... We've, we've really been in service to ourselves. Mm-hmm. I love your journaling practice as well. Like I've been doing morning pages since 2015 and it's been life changing for me as well. And yeah. When I found your account, like I loved the being, you know, doing your time lapses. Like I think that that's mm-hmm. such a great way to see and like, you know, you know, like honor your journey as well. So I've started doing that. And a lot of my friends have also started doing it. I'm as so well. glad. It's so it's just a good thing to, to, to watch yourself process. I agree. Well. Yeah. Even if I didn't share my time lapses of me journaling, I would do it. Um, I There's something also about having the phone like away from you and you can't touch the phone. It's so useful. And I love witnessing myself writing. I just think it's such a, I tell everyone that I can, I talk to about journaling. I'm at time lapse yourself. I just think it's a really strange, but wonderful addition to the practice. Mm-hmm. I agree. I love that. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I love that you started doing breath work recently. I also mm-hmm. just learned about, I've, I've heard about breath work, but I just started actually doing it this year with my friend who she was getting trained in it. So she was bringing her cool. friends along to practice with, and I'm similar. Like I've had, you know, chronic pain here in my shoulders and I have, I've had insomnia for a long time and, you know, like really bad anxiety. And when I did that, I feel like something clicked. Like, it's just, I mean, I don't do it on a regular basis and I definitely want to look more into it, but I just feel like it, it's wild that we, I feel like we never really learned how to breathe properly. It's wild. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've done so many different things for my health over, you know, my 29 years. And this one, I'm like, it's breathing. <laughs> it's so simple. I know, really like I'm crazy. <laughs> It just really, something's really changed for me. And I've never said that. Um, so I'm very, very grateful for it. Powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, chronic illness can really, and especially chronic fatigue, can just be yes. so debilitating for anyone, but also as for creatives, because, you know, we, we get into these creative flows. And then if our energy dips, like that is just so hard to navigate. So it's so, so hard. It's so hard. My husband's just looking at me through the window trying to say something to me. I'm like, dude, I'm podcasting, baby. (laughs) Hi. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. That's a great Um, segue into the next one, which is boundaries, especially working with your partner and like you guys do a podcast together and 
your routines. And so, yeah, I just love to hear about, um, you know, how that works and how you, how you guys have set that up. Yeah, definitely. Anna, it's a good way to talk about our afternoons too. So our afternoons are for business stuff. Uh, so um, whether that's, you know, looking at the beautiful membership that I run, Inspired Collective stuff, or, you know, content creation, writing more nonfiction. Um, and then James um, does all of the website, podcast, finances. The I'm not very detail-oriented at all. Um, and so, I mean, he isn't really either, but he gets those jobs, uh, which has been a huge amount of um, just like weight off my chest. Um, and it's been such a blessing. Um, but it has required a really different aspect of our relationships and boundaries have been needed. I, as I said before, like we live in a two, not two bed apartment, we live in a two room apartment. So we're working in the same space. And I just like chat, 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 chat. And he just cannot handle it. <laughs> and so I literally, we I bought him um, sound, what do you call it? Like sound counseling headphones. And so I will always accidentally talk to him, but he can no longer hear it. So I realized that he's not responding and I'm like, oh yeah, that's right he can't hear me and also he probably doesn't need to hear the inane thing I just said so I'm just gonna keep to myself or if I really need to talk to him I'll you know put my hand up touch him and be like do you have time to speak and it's such a silly little thing but because we're working in such close proximities because we work together those small boundaries have been really helpful for us uh, and I guess it's just a communication thing and we because we work so differently um, that's just been an important thing to do. He also is really focused. He's he's autistic, so he can hyper-focus. Um, and I'm all over the place all the time. Um, and just balancing that extreme difference has been, it has been quite challenging, but we're getting there. The sound canceling headphones have been a real fucking godsend. <laughs> I love that. I love <laughs> the, the symbol of it as well. It's just kind of like, okay, it gives you that moment to pause to ask yourself. It does. Do you really need to action that because that's just kind of your, you know. <laughs> it really response. does. I'll say it, and then I, and then there's silence, and there'll be like a second where I'm like, oh, why isn't he responding? And then I'll be like, oh yes. And I'll be like, okay, Amy, what did you just say? <laughs> it's a real reflective moment for me to come back home and be like, okay, what do we need to do right now? Mm, I love that. Mm. Okay, awesome. So I'm really glad that you both have those communication, you know, things that you're, you're building on. And I think that's, it's just so important for everyone, even if you're not working together during these lockdown times, oh, yeah. we're all learning how to communicate differently now. Um, and it's just, it's so important. So it's so important. <laughs> it's pleasure. And then the next one is, I would love to hear about your publishing journey and, mm. you know, the, the reasons why you've chosen to self publish and where you're at now with your publishing journey and just kind of like the ups and downs and ebbs and flows of that. Of course, this is a huge, huge journey for me. And I've actually, as I um, launched my book, I'm also launching like an online creative magazine where I'm going to be curating lots of different essays and from other creatives and from me. And the first thing that I'm going to be releasing is my story about self-publishing because this has been a massive journey for me and a super, super vulnerable one. Um, because I, the book that I'm about to release, the rules upheld by no one was uh, shopped around to publishers when I initially finished it. I finished this book four years ago and she was picked up for like a week and then she was dropped by publishers and she was rejected by hundreds of publishers. And 
upon reflection, like that process really did a number on me. And I think as so many creatives are going to relate to like rejection, especially if you're not in a good place, can really fuck with you. And as I shopped uh, the rules that held by no one to publishers, I wasn't in a place where I was handling rejection very well. And I've shopped around other books as well. And the whole, it's a really brutal process trying to be traditionally published. Um, but particularly for this book, because I was picked up and then dropped, um, it was a real roller coaster of emotions for me. And so I stopped submitting it. I pulled back uh, around three or four years ago. And I think I just kind of, I was wounded and I really shied away from that wound for a really long time. I didn't want to look at it. I didn't want to deal with it. I felt so unseen, Esther. Like I felt so small. And as a creator, the feeling of being insignificant or unseen is just so wounding. And I felt foolish and I felt embarrassed and I felt like that people had found me out that I wasn't good enough. And I really like nursed that wound for a long time. And people were like, you know, why don't you just self publish it? Why don't you just self publish it? But I had such a strong narrative that self publishing meant that I was second best or that I was giving up. It's such a strong narrative that self publishing meant that I was a failure. And like, this is like, this is recent work that I've done on myself because I really didn't want to look at the wound for a really long time. And I was just super emotional about it. If anyone brought up the rules upheld by no one, I'd, I would like, like if James tried to bring it up, I'd start crying. It was such a frustration and a sadness. And every time anyone brought up the book, I immediately was rushed with the feelings of being unseen and being insignificant. And so it really took me coming home to the fact that this is such a big story. <laughs> so I feel like I'm only giving you a little slither of it, but I had to come home to the fact that I know this book is really fucking good and that I see myself and that I see a huge amount of worth in the words that I wrote and that I give myself permission to take up space with this book. And the whole journey was just me waiting for someone to pick me. I was waiting for someone to tell me I was enough. And when no one did, I was like, well, that must be the verdict that I am, no one wants to see me, that I am not good enough. And so I had to look at that narrative and look at those beliefs that were really like deep seated within me and realize that I actually had the power to see myself, to give myself permission to know of my worth. And that that permission and that was actually stronger coming from me than coming from anyone else. Um, and that's what I did. I just, I, I was like, Amy, you have to take up space. You know, this book has so much worth. Just take up the space. And so I started my journey and now she's coming out in what, two weeks time. Yay. It's so, <laughs> so massive to work through those wounds you know those, yeah those inner critic wounds that come from not being seen and not being seen mm. in the way that we want to be seen or that we think means success you know? yes so exactly and i think you again you're continuing to give permission to so many other people as well to take up space and that's i think mm. so powerful because so many creatives aren't going to hear that and they you know they continue to think that they need to have gatekeepers tell them yes or no and I think that that's so powerful, the work that you're doing. And I love being Thank a part you. of the Inspired Collective. 
if you're a creative out there and you're looking for a group to help encourage your journey, this is definitely the one for sure. Thank you. Yeah, I think creators have, um, I think literally most creators think that permission given by outsiders is preferable and also more powerful than permission we give ourselves. But it is unbelievable how powerful giving yourself permission to take up space is. And it's also rarer, I think, than getting permission from an external force. Like we're like, oh, only the very few make it, you know, only the very few get gatekeeper's approval. Only the very few have the audacity and the bravery and the vulnerability to stand up and truly take up space because they gave themselves permission. Like you are a rarity if you choose to do that. And I'm so proud of anyone who who dares to give themselves permission to like share their art and take up space. Like it is like profoundly powerful. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> I'm going to be popping bubblies for you as well. Oh, so thank you. <laughs> so I'd love to hear about who some of your sources of inspiration have been on your creative mm-hmm. journey, either, you know, as a writer or just with creative in general or any of the, you know, kind of motivational forces in your life. A hundred percent. So good question. So, I, I mean, as you said, the morning pages, Julia Cameron's book, The Artist's Way, that was my turning point. Um, so I had lost my job um, as a waitress. I got fired <laughs> and I ha- had to move in with my in-laws. I was in you know, nearly $10,000 worth of credit card debt. I was really hitting my low point and my book had just been picked up and then dropped. And so I was unemployed, living with my in-laws, and I had been given the artist's way by a really beautiful friend of mine years before. I was just sitting on my shelf. It's amazing how many people have this exact story. The artist's way lives on people's shelves for ages until the exact right moment, I swear. And I picked it up and I started reading it um, because the only thing I did each day was I got up and I had to leave the house because... I just needed to get out and I went to a cafe and I put a coffee on the credit card and I read The Artist's Way and I felt like a literal weight lifting from my shoulders. That woman had every word that I needed to hear and I'd never heard words like it before and she's truly like my godmother in terms of my creative life I just she said everything I needed to hear I had so much guilt about how much I wanted to be a creative you know I was I was a waitress I was nannying I was doing all these like you know in inverted commas like not adult jobs because I was trying to chase a creative dream and I'd had so many stories fed to me that I was so you know what what am I going to do you're going to waitress your whole life you how you know you're being childish you're being naive you're being foolish and that was the main narrative I was getting through from the world and I just felt so ashamed that I committed so hard to creativity and then I opened Julia Cameron's book and she was just like I could just feel her presence and she was like, I'm so proud of you. And I was just like, I would just sit at this cafe and cry. And I'd never felt support for doing what I had was doing. And I felt support from Julia Cameron. Um, and I endeavor to, to be that voice now because that's the voice that I needed. Um, but she obviously, she encourages you to do the morning pages. So I was like, okay, well, I've got literally nothing else to do. I'm going to do the morning pages each day. And it was literally from that point on where a revolution began in my soul. And so I'm, you know, just eternally grateful for that woman and her wise words. I think this is a call to action to anyone who has the artist way sitting in your Kindle or sitting on your bookshelf. 
read it because it was life-changing for you amy it was life-changing for me and so many other creatives i've talked to as well it is. exactly have the same story like we're going through the like the darkest night of the soul or you're going mm-hmm. through this just like really rock bottom and you find her words and it's just yeah i love your analogy of her being the, the godmother to she is life. like she's she's all of our fairy godmothers she is <laughs> and she looks like it too she's such an ethereal looking woman i love that she spoke to into your life too esther like she really is there's something about her it's just fucking profound yeah, we started a, um, a writing group in our little small town that we were living in in Thailand um, after I heard her, because I was listening to her audiobook, and I just, I, I listened to it on my walk to work every day, and I was just like, wow, wow, like this is, like you can actually cultivate a creative life for yourself, and you can call yourself a creative, and you can take yourself on artist dates and all of these different things, and it just, yeah, it shifted it was, everything. It shifted everything for me, too. And she took me seriously when no one else had taken me seriously. And I don't know how someone does that through books, but I endeavor to do that through books too now, like because the feeling of this woman just with her words looking at me and saying, no, I, I really want you to keep doing what you're doing. When every other voice in the world was like, you need to fucking go get a real job and stop kidding around. And to have this incredibly motherly, like, divine voice just being like no I want you to keep going and I did keep going and now this is literally what I do full time and I paid off my credit card debt and I feel so in love with my life and I'm just so fucking grateful yes and I would also love to say that I think you also so I think you know you said you would love to like be like her when it comes to the the way she makes the readers feel I think you do that with the work that you put out and I also think that you help to rewrite the narrative that artists have to struggle and mm-hmm. I think that that's so powerful I love hearing when you talk about you know like that story doesn't have to exist even though that's yeah. the one we're being sold and so I'd love to hear your thoughts a little bit about that yes oh my goodness we're just fed that story you know all the time through so many different strange roots in the world like the idea that the artist must struggle the idea that the artist must starve it's everywhere if you really look for it it's everywhere um and it's just it's just a story and then just recognizing that it's just a story that people have bought into so much that it becomes a reality but it is literally just a story particularly when you look at how much the world is changing now like the room that is being made for self-coronated artists is just growing at a crazy rate like we do not need to adhere to these industrialists like icky icky stories of how artists most artists don't make it and how most artists don't make any money and you'll be a barista for the rest of your life and you know only the few get picked and even when they do get picked it's really fucking hard and you have to work so hard it's all about the hustle like oh my god our field of creativity has just been infiltrated by these stories which are so dangerous to our souls our precious inner artist souls and we have to question them all and we have to recognize that again they're just stories and we can tell our own stories exactly how we want to and recognizing that there's money for artists that there's ease for artists that there's rests for artists we don't need to hustle our way to success you know we can get there gently and delicately and not exhausted and we can get there with money not exhausted all of these stories have never been told before because we've been addicted to the idea that the struggle is what makes the artist and it's just a load of crap. Yeah, romanticizing that, you know, starving artist in Paris or, you know, whatever, whatever the story might be, but just 
I think that it's so important to rewrite. And so thank you for doing that work. I think it's Thank you. I'm so glad that you say that. It makes me feel really seen and like I'm doing doing what I want to do. Doing the good work. (laughs) 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 So I'd love to also um, just kind of talk to you a little bit about um, what your your goals are for this next this next phase as you're moving Mm -hmm. out of you know releasing this one baby and I know you're working on a couple of um, a couple of other fiction books but what are your what are your you know small goals for the next feature I love that so this next month is going to be big for me, um, just in terms of really stepping into this new space, which I've created for myself of being a fiction author. And I'm going very gently. Like another thing that Julia Cameron really gave me is she has a very mother motherly voice. And in my journaling practice, I really learned to mother myself and to go gently on myself and to take profound care of myself. So over this next month, as I record my audiobook and release my fiction and I'm releasing my online magazine, like it's big time so my main goal is to mother the crap out of myself throughout all of this so just like you know I'm mothering it's gonna look different for everyone but for me it looks like giving myself permission to rest just giving myself permission to go make fucking shit tons of cups of tea um what do you need amy is the question i ask myself all the time and as i go through what i'm imagining is like this kind of like portal to this next stage of my creative journey I'm just going gently. And again, because I want to break down these stories that uh, when we level up, when we do new things, it's going to be hard. It's going to be exhausting. Exhausting. Um, as I move into this incredible next phase, I'm going to do so gently and, you know, with energy. And it's going to be soft. It doesn't need to be this hustle. Yeah, I'm going to the next stage. You know, I'm allowing peace as I transition. So for the next like six weeks, that's my goal, even though I've got like a lot of like tangible things that are happening, book releases, audiobook releases and things like that. My goal is to be gentle. Um, And then on the other side of that, I'm going to be obviously keeping on keeping on with my fiction because I've got two more books that one is already done and the next one is half written. It's exciting devoting myself to that. I am going to be writing my next nonfiction book for the imposter syndrome, uh, for the um, artist with imposter syndrome. So I'm really excited about diving into that topic. I'm also completely besotted with the conversations I've been having with the collective and with the community about success. And I've just felt a calling to do something with that, whether it's a book or a bigger workshop, like we need a conversation about how we prepare for success. And so I'm definitely being led down that, that journey. I really want to dive into that in some way. I love that. And I'm ready. I'm ready for all of it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love to hear it. So I would love to hear if you could describe your journey as a creative and a writer in one sentence. Esther. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay. It, it would have to be something about seeing myself and giving myself permission to take up space. It would be something, and it would have to be about combating the shame as well, like unashamedly giving myself permission to take up space or something along those lines. Like, oh, that's a big question, Esther. 
Oh, it's a good one. (laughs) Unashamedly giving myself permission to take up space, I think, has been my journey. That is, I mean, that's that's a poster right there. Mm. That's a a t-shirt. I love it. (laughs) Yes. I think it's a process that all creators have to go through. But for me, it's really sat at the heart of what I've moved through. Yeah, and I think you know, you're so good at sharing the, the behind the scenes and the, the, the thoughts that come up and the, the inner critic as it's, as it comes up and then how you also mother it. And I think yeah. it's beautiful that you show that it still happens, but mm. that there are, there are practices yes. to embrace it and not, you know, hide it away or get rid of it, but just, you know, embrace it and soothe Work it. Work with it. Yeah. It yeah. Yeah, I think so many of us think that, you know, the goal of the artist is to eventually not have to deal with the inner critic. But the more that I think about it, I just I don't think any of us are ever going to get to that place. Um, The inner critic is not the enemy. It's it's that young, you know, part of ourselves that's just really fucking scared. And they're going to say what they need to say in order to, you know, hold you back and keep you small so that you feel safer and as I've approached it like that rather than approaching the inner critic as like my enemy but more of like a younger part of myself who's really terrified I've found there's just so many more tools to deal with that and I can soothe myself mother myself care for myself and the inner critic doesn't need to become the enemy and and I also can live with it like she's going to be there fear is always going to be a part of my journey because we're always doing terrifying things as creatives um, and I can deal with that now. I have tools to deal with that now. And sometimes, yeah, she's going she's gonna to be really loud. And she will get to me every now and again. But I know that she's not going to hold me back from taking up space. Yeah, I was writing in my, my newsletter just last night and sent it out, which I had a lot of fear stories around that. Um, but mm-hmm. I wrote it. And one of the things that came up for me was, I think, fear. I used to say fear is the mind killer, which is a great quote from Dune, a sci-fi novel. Yeah, I love that. Um, favorite journaling prompts. But then recently I've been thinking that, like, I think fear is more of, like, my mind's check engine light. Like, it's not necessarily scary if I have all the things to go check oh my the God, engine. Yes. But, like, you know, before I had the tools, it was scary because it feels like yeah. the breakdown. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's just telling me that I need to go check the engine. Like, it's oh, my okay. God. I'm in love. I love that. I love that. So like, that's a perfect way of saying it. It's a really just, it's a good, it's interesting, you know, when the, when it pops up, it's like, oh, what's happening? How can I serve myself here? What's going on? You know, um, oh, fuck, I forgot his name. The, the guy that writes, oh, Stephen Pressfield writes the, the War of Art. And he talks about resistance as like this incredible sign that like really good stuff is happening. Like resistance is an incredible sign. Imposter syndrome, in my opinion, is a really good sign. Fear is an interesting sign and it's not a death sentence. It's something that we need to get curious about because that means there's stories there that are happening and we need to look at them. Mm. Oh, I love it. Yeah, mm, Me too. I'm so juicy. I'm so grateful for you. I'm um, so grateful for you, Esther. I would love for people to know about the incredible things that you offer. Um, I, of course, talk about it all the time, but <laughs> share a little bit of the services and offer offerings of that you provide. Well, if you just want to come along on the journey, the best place to find me is either my podcast, which I do run with my husband James, which is called the Unpublished Podcast. It's on iTunes and Spotify, um, and online on Instagram. You can find me at Inspired to Write. 
Um, but in terms of ways to work with me, uh, I have my books, which is just on my website, which is just amymcnee.com. And I've got my courses as well. So if you're really wanting to really dive into either journaling or to your creative practice, I've got my journaling course and I've got the We Need Your Art course. And they're the big deep dive, self-paced. So you can do them in your own timing, but the big juicy ones, lots of journaling prompts, lots of just ways to get back in touch with what it is you were dreaming of doing. And they're my two main ways. And then of course I've got my Inspired Collective, but uh, it's closed at the moment, but it'll be open at the end of the year. Thank you so much, Amy. And last thing is if mm -hmm. you could share with any people who are just starting to embrace their, you know, their calling as a creative, yes. as a writer, what advice would you give them? Well, I would first say that I'm like so deeply proud of you and that so many people choose not to do that because it's scary, but you've chosen to. And I'm just, I'm in awe of you. People who choose to chase their creativity deserve like profound amounts of respect and awe because it is so much harder than I think people think. So first of all, I would say I'm incredibly proud of you. Um, and then, oh, that's a good question, Esther. I think I would land on take profound care of yourself as you do this vulnerable work and learn how to mother yourself, learn how to soothe yourself, because as you do this brave and vulnerable thing, you're going to need exactly what we've been talking about, SD, like you're going to need tools on how to take really profound care of yourself because the work that we do is the most vulnerable work that anybody does in this world. And so in those states of pure vulnerability, uh, we need ways to mother and care and make sure that we feel safe in some way or another. And so if you've got those tools, the journey is just going to be so much smoother and so much gentler. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful from the creativity and writing coach and book doula herself. Thank you so much, Amy. I'm so grateful and honored to have you here. Esty is honestly such a privilege. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much. thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the unlocking creativity podcast series we're super excited to continue to learn from these different creatives space holders authors writers artists if you are interested in joining a community of creatives you can join our community called Unlocking Creativity. We meet every other week for creative writing workshops and every other week for master classes around different topics that keep us from feeling like we can put our magic out into the world. And we lift each other up with accountability, permission slips, sustainable steps towards the intentions that you have for your art, for your magic. Thank you again so much for listening. Interact with us on social media. You can find me at SD Ubuntu, and you can find our community at Unlocking Creativity Community. See you next time.